Hello everyone, welcome to Ask a Therapist. This is Nikita and Zam, and we are two psychotherapists here to answer your questions about love, life, and health. You know, in our private practice, Nikita and I see couples, individuals, and families. However, we're so passionate about this particular podcast because we're trying to reach a greater number of people at the same time. We want to demystify therapy. We want to open the door to therapy for you and introduce you to our tools and techniques that you can actually apply in your real life. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Ask a Therapist. Hope you're having a good week. Um, last time, the last couple times, actually, we talked about how the coronavirus has affected your individual mental health, how it's impacted your relationships, your intimate relationships. And today we wanted to take some time to talk about how coronavirus has affected your familial relationship. And this is coming at a good time because it is two months and a bit, right, that we've been at home. Mm-hmm. Um, with our families, some of us, and we've had some celebrations come up, and summer is finally here, so maybe that means we'll be more spending more time with our families than we did before. Um, some of us may not be able to hide behind um, the recluse that winter can bring. Mm. So this is coming at a really good time where we're going to talk about how to maintain a healthy family atmosphere when you're all quarantining together. And we're also gonna give you some examples of what unhealthy family relationships might look like. Definitely, and how you can navigate both of those settings. So sort of the theme of this episode, as Nikita said, is the impact of the pandemic on a family. And before we start talking about anything to do with family, whether it be a pandemic or um, the effect of death or moving away on a family, you have to sit down and try to outline what your family culture looks like. And this can be really difficult to do. And Nikita and I both do this exercise with clients during sessions. Because these family subcultures and these family quote-unquote rules are things that are inherent to us, they're things that have been ingrained with us since we were children, but it's something that no one really talks about. It's something that the whole family kind of functions around, Mm -hmm. but hasn't necessarily been outlined. Mm -hmm. So when you take an opportunity to sit down and really put pen to paper and outline your family rules, you might be surprised at what comes out of that. Mm -hmm. I like how you said, Sam, that this is how a whole family functions is centered around these concepts. And you're right. These are not, and maybe in some families they are, but in most families they're not articulated, right? To the extent that we would like you to do today. There are always these values and these family rules and family norms are in the periphery, but they're never fully articulated. Uh, so today, if you need to put this episode on pause for a couple of moments, take out a pen and paper and really start jotting down what your family culture looks like and what are some of these family norms. And then we'll talk a little bit about how coronavirus and quarantining together is impacting these family norms. Exactly. And 
Funnily enough, this has been sort of the theme of many of my conversations last week with my clients. And I'll give you guys some examples of family rules so you know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It could be something like, if I'm not perfect, I will not get love. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Nikita? Is something coming to your mind? Yeah, something is based on a very recent conversation that I had with a Mm. client. And that was, unless I perform in some way, Mm. I will not get acknowledgement from my family. And this is something that is quite common, I think, that we see with um, individuals who have, say, several siblings, um, that they have three or four siblings, and it becomes like a competition of sorts, right, to get your parents' attention, Exactly. And let's name it. This sort of thing is so common in minority cultures, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's very common to have these ingrained rules that are based on performance, that are based on um, stature, and what society might say about your performance. Mm-hmm. And so if, you know, if you're a minority, if you identify as part of a minority group and you're listening to this, this exercise is especially Mm. um, helpful for you Mm -hmm. because the rules that we grow up with affects our behavior as adults. Mm -hmm. And then your behavior impacts the rules that you then create for your families. Mm -hmm. Right. And especially if you are an immigrant family or, you know, you may be first generation Canadian, but your parents are immigrants, your family norms are going to look much different than those who maybe aren't immigrants. And this culture of perfectionism and performance within the family is going to be much more pronounced, most likely. So take a moment and reflect on that. And now back to talking about the pandemic. So you're at home, your parents, your siblings, you're back in your childhood bed, you can't really go outside, and you're feeling overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. It's been, you know, months of the same people again and again. Um, it's not uncommon for parents to resort to treating you like a child again. Mm-hmm. You're feeling like a child again. What do we do about this, Nikita? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about so many people that I know of who have lived, who live in high rises and condominiums, and for safety reasons, have had to move in with their parents in the suburbs and just how suffocated they've complained Mm. to me like this how suffocated they feel because you're now a functioning adult you have your own methods and your own ways of functioning and your own schedule and now none of that sort of matters anymore because now you need to set that individuality aside and fit into the larger context of the family and find your role again and your function again within the family And that can be hard, especially if you're not ready to do that or you've been so disconnected from that for such a long time. I agree. And, you know, last week we talked about this five to one ratio of interactions Mm -hmm. that can help help create a healthy atmosphere within couples. I'm wondering, Nikita, do you think that can be applied here as well? Why not? I think that would make sense, right? And, and for those of you who didn't listen to our episode last time, I'll encourage you to go listen to it. Yeah. Uh, but just a quick recap, the five to one ratio is something that has come out of latest research by 
Gottman, who is one of the leading researchers in couples therapy. And the whole idea is that for every one negative interaction that you have in a disagreement um, or in your communication, you need to make that up by five positive ones. And I think this can be applied to family members as well, between siblings, between parents, mm. um, because the basic idea here is good communication. Exactly. Mm. Another thing that's coming to mind for me is this idea of strength and appreciation. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're having to be at home with your family because of the pandemic and you're needing to step into those roles and responsibilities that come with being a part of a, a system like mm -hmm. that. It's important that everyone is assigned a role or assigned tasks based on their strengths. And this can be a little bit more difficult to do, especially when you come from a minority culture where the gender roles can sometimes be skewed. Mm -hmm. And so this may call for difficult conversations you know it may call for a little bit more boundary setting a little bit more pushing but when you're able to place people in certain roles based on their strengths it then creates or helps build a culture of appreciation for one another because mm -hmm. you're assisting each other in ways that you can't assist yourself as you were speaking about playing by strengths, what was coming up for me is your own individually recognized strengths versus culturally dictated mm, gender exactly. norm based strengths, right? So um, going with very typical uh, traditional gender role scenario, a woman might be seen as being uh, skilled in the kitchen, even though she may not be, right? And so how do you how do you challenge some of these in a family context, Zam? I mean, this is not going to be, you know, a cookie cutter type of an answer. Mm. This is this complex problem that demands a complex solution. But if someone is in that position, one of our listeners is in that position where they find that they've moved back with their parents and they're being pushed into these gender specific roles, as opposed to being able to play by their own individual strengths. What would we say to that client? You know what I would say to that client, Nikita? I would say not necessarily something to do, but something not to do. Mm -hmm. And that is to not let it eat you up inside and keep it within yourself. Mm -hmm. I think we've all been there, especially as, as brown women. Mm -hmm. We've all been in that situation where tasks of the home are not um, equally equally spread out mm -hmm. and we felt a little bit of resentment because of that it sort of <laughs> burnt us out burnt mm -hmm. us up inside mm -hmm. seeing other people in the home not put in as much work as we do mm -hmm. and this could be you know in the kitchen it could be you know taking care of your parents it could be anywhere it could even be bringing home um bringing home the bacon you know bringing home the money sometimes mm -hmm. um, that pressure is also put on women to work more um because because they need to contribute to their to their children's wellness um, mm. so what i would do is examine what's happening right now mm. break it up into more manageable portions look at what you can address right now what's within your control and start with those first 
Mm -hmm. I agree with you, Sam. When you say, see what you can address right now, what immediately comes to mind is finding your allies within the home. Mm. Chances are not every single person in your home looks at gender in like a very like culture specific, right? In traditional roles. Um, so whether that's your partner or someone else in the home, find your allies who are on the same page as you, whose values align with yours and make sure that you have them in your corner. Exactly. And I think mm -hmm. it's also important to note that it's important for us to work in parallel to one mm -hmm. another. Can't always aim for a constant state of togetherness, mm -hmm. um, which means that we might have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. We might have to start to feel comfortable with sitting with those uncomfortable emotions and having those uncomfortable conversations in mm -hmm. order to shake up the family system a little bit so that it can reorganize. Mm -hmm. And the thing with the family system is that depending on the type of family that you are, it will reorganize around the issue at hand. Mm -hmm. What we've often seen, sometimes it takes a lot of time, it takes coaching and coaxing, mm -hmm. but that is the way it's designed to reorganize. Mm -hmm. And hopefully when it does reorganize, there's some room for freedom and individuality within the structure for each individual family member. Um, there are different four levels of cohesion, right, in a family. You may have heard this idea of healthy families versus enmeshed families quite a bit. And maybe we can take a moment to talk about what is the difference here? What are different types of togetherness and cohesion in families? Yeah, so there are four levels of cohesion. The first is disengaged families. Mm -hmm. So these are family members that, you know, maintain extreme separateness from one another. Mm -hmm. There's little family loyalty. There's little knowing about what the other is up to or sort of participating in the other's lives. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think you can give us an example, Nikita, of what that might look like for our clients? Mm -hmm. Extreme separateness. That's what really stood out to me in that definition. Mm -hmm. And I think this would be um, a family structure where there are no small rituals, you know, no small like weekly rituals, say dinner together or breakfast together or lunch together or doing one activity together, whether that's spending some time in the backyard or gardening together. The family members are completely disengaged from each other, which could be because of the toxic nature um, of their relationships. And there's that extreme separateness where it's all individuality and little to no collective sense of family. Great. Mm. And then the second one is separated families. So mm. these families experience you know, emotional independence. However, they do have some joint involvement. Hmm. You know, when I, when I look at this, I think of families who maybe their communication is not always very clear, but there is some effort at one another, um, but sometimes that may come with control. Mm -hmm. So there's that need to sort of disengage from the family a little bit while mm -hmm. still being connected in some way. Mm -hmm. uh, Sometimes it might bring about distancing and anger and anxiety. Um, yeah. What do mm -hmm. you think? 
Yeah, I agree with what you've said. I, and I think there's, it's hard to create really clear boundaries in, uh, in between all these different four levels of cohesion. But I agree when you say that this, these are family members where there is some emotional independence and some joint involvement. So they're trying to balance things, but the scales are still tipping, um, where scales are tipping towards disengagement from one another. And Nikita, I'm going to go as far as say that many of us from minority cultures are experiencing this type of family mm -hmm. We may not think so because there is this, there's that driving force of togetherness mm -hmm. that per permeates a lot of minority cultures. So on the outside, we may look connected, um, and you know, we're close and we're loving. But if you dig a little bit deeper, I found with my clients that it goes in two ways. One is the family member is actually quite separate. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's because the pain that is sometimes caused by crossing boundaries isn't necessarily recognized. Mm -hmm. However, at the same time, there are periods of warmth and sharing at the same time that's interspersed with control. So it gets very confusing mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a perfect recipe for guilt, right? Because you're not sure where you really stand in your family. And then the other that I've seen is enmeshed families. So family members that are extremely close, very loyal, where the boundaries are, there's very poor boundaries and there's no sense of individuality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that connection. Um, and, and now that I'm reflecting on it, I definitely do see that where in a lot of immigrant families, there's a lot of very little individuality. Boundaries are enmeshed. What one family member likes, everyone is supposed to like and everything becomes part of the larger family norm and larger family mm -hmm. rule. And that can get suffocating, right? Mm -hmm. In these enmeshed roles, we can end up placing too much of burden on a particular relationship, whether that is mother-daughter relationship or mother-son relationship. A way that, tell me, Zam, if you agree with this, but I think a way that we do see that in the um, South Asian Canadian cultures is the parents doing everything for their children, mm. right? Not letting them make their own mistakes or make their own decisions, everything, letting, doing everything for them, whether that's the smaller day-to-day -day tasks or jumping in and rescuing when the child messes up as opposed mm. to letting them learn their lesson. Exactly. Mm. And I think that can also be argued for gender roles. Yeah. And I think what that has done to so many of us is we have grown up um, being cocooned and rescued so many times. And we've grown up to feel scattered and anxious and all sorts of unstable because now here are all these real life challenges that parents can't step in and rescue us from. Or maybe for some of us, there has been a level of or a sense of freedom after all that suffocation. And so there's too much freedom <laughs> and you are wanting to experience all of that freedom, but then you're making maybe rash decisions or you're not managing that freedom well. Exactly. And I think the key here 
after everything Nikita and I have said, is to understand what your system looks like. Mm -hmm. Coming back to the very first thing we said at the beginning of the podcast, the first step, and oftentimes the most difficult step, is that idea of Mm self-awareness. Knowing what your family culture looks like, looks like knowing what how your system functions putting pen to paper and writing down your family rules is going to give you more of a sense of insight and control over your current mm-hmm. situation which will help dissipate those feelings of anxiousness and mm-hmm. low mood that you're feeling being at mm-hmm. home with your family mm-hmm. and if you're wondering what the ideal scenario looks like healthy families healthy relationships connected families look like where family members strive for that emotional closeness and loyalty and there's some joint involvement as well within the family with some individuality so there's that balance right of connectedness with each other a sense of togetherness knowing where we can rely on one another but honoring and respecting each other's individuality Nikita, we have some questions here from our listeners mm-hmm. that fit this topic really well. So I thought we'd take this time to see if we can quickly answer these. Mm-hmm. The first one is, I live in a toxic family structure in my house. I'm trying to maintain my space and boundaries, but I feel like staying inside has really amplified my stress and anxiety. What can I do to help manage my anxiety? This sounds like the reality, I think, unfortunately, for so many mm-hmm. people right now, if you live in a toxic family or there are toxic relationships, going outside, going to work, going to school was an escape. And now your escape and your coping mechanisms have been taken away. And this, I think, is a really difficult place to be in. So I definitely really empathize with this person. Um, and I can you know, only imagine how difficult this must be for them. The first thing that I think is so important here is to have a trusted person to talk to. I hope that this person who asked the question has either a therapist in the community that they're doing virtual sessions with or a really close friend who can hold the space for them without any judgment and without any unsolicited advice. It's important to have formal and informal supports in place so again formal being someone who is trained to listen to you and who's trained to help you navigate this difficult time and informal supports like your friends that's great advice Mm. another you know when we talk about anxiety and anxiety management i feel that it boils down to being able to set an anxiety anxiety management ritual Engaging in those coping strategies that you were engaging in before. So recognizing where your power lies. Um, Was meditation working for you before? Can you carve out some physical space that you can retreat to? Can you create boundaries around the space where, for example, no one is allowed to enter your room? That you can feel safe to practice your coping strategies in that room? Can you create a place, a metaphorical place to put all of this, be it a journal, be it speaking your, your um, qualms out loud and, you know, putting it into a metaphorical box for safekeeping. Mm-hmm. I think also boundaries play a big factor here. 
Definitely. It may be hard to create boundaries within some family structures versus others, but like Sam was saying, to, to focus really on what you can control versus what you cannot. And I know that that sounds very <laughs> theoretical, but the idea here is to really focus your energy on what are some things that are actually in my control. I cannot control how my parent is going to react or my sibling is going to react. But maybe what I can control is how can I use my communication and my behavior to influence theirs? I'm also going to list some local resources for you guys in our description of our podcast here um, mm-hmm. so that you know what's out there. Mm-hmm. In, in Toronto and in Peel, um, and a tip or a life hack is that any, any strategies that we give that relate to couples can also be a point of families. Mm-hmm. It's any intimate relationship. So we do recommend that you go back and listen to our podcast on how couples are, are managing during mm-hmm. the, the pandemic, because I think you might find some helpful tips there as well. Mm-hmm. Listen to our last couple episodes for sure. And in case anyone is wondering, Zam and I are accepting new clients at this time. So if you are in Toronto, greater Toronto area, we are offering video counseling sessions or phone counseling sessions. And if you feel like you don't have a therapist actually to talk to and your friends just aren't cutting it for you, give us a call and I'll link everything down below how you can reach us, but we'd be happy to offer you a free consultation. Hmm. How do you feel about today's episode, Sam? I feel pumped, Nikita. Mm. I love talking about families. I love talking about culture and immigrant families. Um, I, I consider myself an expert. You know, I have lived in expertise, <laughs> still managing my own family system. So this gets me really excited yeah. as I feel like we need to demystify um, these family structures that have been put in place through generations, mm-hmm. um, not only as women, but also as minority women, um, also in the culture, we, th- we talked about in the culture of perfectionism and all of that. So mm-hmm. this kind of topic really gets me going. I completely hear you. I'm part of a, came from a single parent family into um, a blended family. And what that means for a South Asian woman, right? What, what, about, what, what does it mean about your identity and where you fit into these families? So I agree with you. This kind of episodes really gets us going. And I know we'll be sitting with this energy and this adrenaline for the rest of the day. Um, but for our listeners, we really hope that you found this helpful. Again, like I was saying before, if you think that you don't have anyone to talk to and you would like to connect with us, you can definitely do so. Um, Send us an email and we'd be happy to talk to you about your experiences. And next week, we're going to continue the COVID-19 series and we're going to talk about how to manage your um, friendships in this pandemic, especially now that summer is coming around and you might be experiencing some summer blues. Mm -hmm. Um, So this was an episode of how is your family doing really? And next week we're going to be talking about how are your friendships doing really? Take care, everyone. Have a good week. 
That brings us to the end of today's episode of Ask a Therapist. Thank you so much for spending time with us. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review down below. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer, please send us an email. The address is in the description box below and include podcast in the subject line. You can choose to remain anonymous. Thanks, everyone.